0: Everybody who's participating online through the live stream, hello, good morning. We hope that you've got some other people in the room with you uh, because uh, we really believe that that transformation happens in the context of relationships. So even if you're listening to the live stream or maybe even after the fact you're listening to this teaching uh, recorded, have some other people around you or at least catch up with some other people who are listening to uh, and, and hearing the same Things so that you can talk about what is God teaching you and what are you willing to do about it? And I do encourage you to invite people to participate in this series. I, 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 mean, I think we all know that the world is changing. It's not just changing, it's changing faster than it ever has before. And it will continue to change at an exponentially faster rate. Um <laughs> Michelle was just reminding me this morning that when we were in high school, uh, her parents bought for her a- an almost new car. It um, was at Rosemargie in, in, in Wausau. Um, an almost new car. Fi- I think there were 15,000 miles on it, uh, and it cost them a whopping $4,000. 4000 Things are changing. Uh, you know, this is the price of things. It's the technology, the rate of change. And, uh, and part of the danger that we fall into is that we will simply conform to the world, that as the changes happen, we'll be squeezed into the mold of what's going on. We'll be kind of used and, and, and abused by the, the marketers, by the culture, by whatever uh, is, is going on. Um, we'll just flow with it. We want to be not conformed to the world. We want to be world changers in the name of Jesus. We want to bring the good news, the gospel. We want to be people who are transformed, not conformed. So things are going to be different in the world. And what we're saying is it's important for things to be different in us we don't want to be the same person we were a year ago we want to be in the process of becoming more and more like christ not just in how we act on the outside how we are on the inside our character and because we're concerned about character we know that things are going to be different in the church as well because a lot of the ways that we've done things in the past might change someone's behavior. We want to be in the in the business, though, of transformation from the inside out. So I encourage you to invite people, check this out. If they're needing uh, hope, if they're feeling overwhelmed, invite them to experience a new day. Another thing I want to make sure that, you're aware of. Um, we continue to have a relationship with Lifeway Missions International in Kenya. And uh, we want to, uh, again this year, pour out blessings to our friends in northern Kenya. They're still not like recovered from uh, the, the, the drought. I just got a message from a, a friend of mine there who said, keep praying for us. Don't forget. <laughs> Don't forget us. Um, we, we, there, there, we still need uh, rain in order t- for people to survive. Um, we're also getting a better understanding of uh, some of the other needs that are happening there right now so that we can consider how we might support them by sending a team again this year. End of January is what we're looking at. And we just want to be purposeful about going there, so we're talking to them. What uh, what, what, do the, the Samburu people, this uh, tribe that that we've kind of adopted in northern Kenya. What are their needs right now? And we're going to have another Christmas gift opportunity uh, this year, so plan that into your Christmas budget. And uh, as we go into a a teaching time here where we want to learn from God, let's pray together. God, we, we do acknowledge that our... Inside-out transformation is about more than knowledge. It's about more than uh, behavior modification. Uh, We pray that we would humble ourselves during this time to learn from you and to follow you in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, what we're going to look at is connectedness and the importance of connectedness in character transformation. If you were to sit down with a, a group of pastors from different churches and talk about what is your discipleship plan, if you were to collect conversations about that over the last few decades, often what we've done is kind of reduced discipleship to a series of classes or workbooks. It's really about knowledge. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, here are the things that you need to know. Can someone have, like, really good, on-point theological knowledge and still act like a jerk? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Yeah, but I see like some people are laughing and nodding their heads like, yeah, I know who you're talking about. But that, I don't. I'm not trying to pick on specific people. It's uh, you know sometimes it, it's us. But sometimes that's what the discipleship process does. Is we just go, yeah, I want to I want to learn to be a better Christian. So I'm going to learn more material. And it may not change the way I react in a difficult situation. It may not actually increase my Christ likeness when you measure it by the fruit of my life. And what do I mean by fruit? Uh, the Apostle Paul and Galatians chapter 5, he said, for people who follow the Spirit of God, they will see this fruit in their life. So it's like if you're rooted in God, then what will grow in you is, and what people will see and experience from you, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Self control, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, Jesus had all of that perfectly. And so we want our character to be like the character of Jesus. We want it to be like you can tell an orange is an orange from the outside. You can also tell when you squeeze it, what comes out? Orange juice. It's consistent all the way through. We want to have the character of Christ on the outside, and when we're put under pressure, we want the character of Christ to come out of us. Knowledge itself alone doesn't do that. We know this for sure because when we look at... uh, A point in scripture where Jesus was squeezed, where he was tempted, where he was tested by the devil. We see that the devil quoted scripture. So the devil has scripture memorized. In the discovery group that I'm facilitating during the week, we looked at Mark chapter 5 this past week where Jesus casts a legion of demons out of a man And it stood out to us that the demons, when Jesus approached, knew his name, and they called him Son of the Most High God. They know who Jesus is. They acknowledge that he's the Son of the Most High God. So if the devil quotes scripture and the demons acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, when you think about it, their theology and I know this might ruffle some feathers, the theology of the devil and the demons could be more sound than a lot of seminary textbooks. They could have really good theology when you think about it. What's missing, though, is that they will never love and obey God. So if we think That having greater knowledge, being able to argue a point more. If we think those are the things that are most important, we are missing the mark. Sure, we need to have knowledge. If that knowledge, though, isn't paired with connecting to Christ and to other people, We're going to miss the mark. We're going to build a church that makes Pharisees rather than making disciples. What we're going to see in God's word today is that our character, what's inside, is built on connectedness. David is a a great example of someone whose character was built on his connectedness to God, David in 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 the Bible, he's described after uh, uh, described as a man after God's own heart. Now he didn't live a perfect life. Still, he often showed tremendous strength of character. I'm talking about humility, courage, honesty, faith, generosity, joy. And he was a real contrast to his predecessor, the king before him, a man named Saul, whose life ended up being characterized by fits of rage, jealousy, insecurity, fear, selfishness. And David's strength of character wasn't because he was a good rule follower, and it wasn't because he just followed his heart. In fact, that's what got him into trouble sometimes. His character was built on his connectedness. We get a window into David's attachment to God in a lot of the psalms that he wrote. One of them that you might recognize from a funeral or a Coolio song is Psalm 23 uh, that says, this is David. Now think about David's connection to God here. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life. And my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. That last Verse, certainly goodness and faithfulness. Maybe you've heard that in other words. Uh, surely goodness and mercy or uh, goodness and love is another Bible translation, uh, just translating the Hebrew into the English, the, the best way that scholars know how. And we see that they they use different words because the Hebrew word there, chesed, is like hard to put into English, it's used over 200 times in the Old Testament. And often it's used, it's translated as love with some sort of a qualifier, like steadfast love or faithful love. It describes God's enduring, faithful, committed love, often to his people, the Israelites. It it describes uh, David's friendship to his friend Jonathan. So this this word, this bond, can be between God and a group of people. It can be between two people. It can describe the committed, loving relationship between a husband and wife. It can describe the love between a parent and a child. And David describes a chesed relationship with God in Psalm 23. And it's a relationship that modern psychologists would say demonstrates healthy attachment. Attachment is the psychological, neurological word for what David seems to be describing here. We all begin life completely needy and dependent, searching for attachment a baby feels hungry or scared or cold and looks around and often cries out for some relief. And then behold, there is a face that appears in front of them and hands that begin to respond to their need and a warm embrace neuroscientists are calling the response to that that face. When that helpless child sees that someone is there to provide relief, that recognition, neuroscientists are calling it joy, which we talked about last week, the reaction that happens in the body and the mind when that connection, when that recognition happens. And that joy, combined with consistent care, actually develops, changes a baby's brain, even in the first three months of life, to understand healthy attachment. And as the baby who develops healthy attachment grows older, they learn to value their providers. I know it doesn't always feel like it, parents. (laughs) Sometimes, though, like I don't know if you've, if, you, if you've heard this, uh, sometimes, though, uh, I, I think uh, kids are s- reactionary to their mothers, in particular, in many households, because they know for sure that is the person who is never going to leave them, right. um, it might be part of attachment that a child knows it's safe even to be nuts in a household because they're loved unconditionally. A child with that kind of healthy attachment, they feel secure enough to explore the world, to learn to trust other people, to deal with anxiety, adversity, issues, problems. A child who didn't develop healthy attachment is at risk for all kinds of social, emotional, and learning problems as they grow up. Don't get mad at me about this. This is just what the science is saying. And the bottom line is that joy from the presence of another person is crucial for building attachment. And attachment, especially over the first three years of life, is crucial for developing a brain that has a better chance of learning well, managing stress, solving problems, building healthy relationships, and more. Sometimes our actions, our thoughts, our reactions seem irrational. They don't make sense. Even to us. Why can't I just do what I know is the right thing? It may be because we had uh, an attachment process interrupted at some point. That's how the neurological theory goes. And a lot of this scientific information, which gives us insight into how God designed us, also lines up with his word. Character. that, That deepest part of us. The way we think, act and react, often without thinking, is built on connectedness. Let's see what Jesus has to say about loving, healthy attachment and connectedness in context with uh, discipleship. John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus rep- replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. This kind of sounds like the end of Psalm 23, right? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is saying, yeah, we're going to be connected. Now, the first part of this, I've always understood that statement as something about proving our love for Jesus. All who love me will do what I say. Oh, okay, well, Uh, follow my commands in order to prove that you love me is kind of how my thoughts put that together. But think of this instead in terms of identity formation and character transformation. What comes first in that statement? Is it loving or obeying? All who love me will do what I say. The relationship, the connectedness comes first. So you want to be a world changer, not a world conformer? It starts by experiencing a loving connection with Jesus that looks a lot like attachment. Think about healthy attachment as you hear this teaching from Jesus. John 15, verse 4. He says, remain in me. And I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." So the branches remaining or abiding in the vine, they're a picture of, like an illustration of healthy attachment, connectedness, right? Be connected to me. Christians are going to have a hard time becoming more like Christ instead of being conformed to the world if we acknowledge him intellectually and fail to experience loving, healthy attachment with him, or with each other. Now, before I continue teaching about loving and healthy uh, attachments, we've seen David's attachment to God. We've seen Jesus, the invitation of attachment and connectedness to him. We also see all over the New Testament, disciples having a connection and attachment together. And before I go any further into that, I I want to uh, address something, Uh, okay? So if, if you've tuned out or haven't paid attention, I need you to pay attention for just a second here. We are not a cult. Okay? I Now, if some of you are disappointed by that, I'm sorry. Uh, as I was preparing this message, uh, I was uh, reading the uh, book that I mentioned before, The Other Half of Church, Christian Community, Brain Science and Overcoming Spiritual Stagnation by Jim Wilder and Michael Hendricks. And at one point, I, I, I literally I had to set the book down and ask myself as I prepare to teach my church about attachment, how do I know I'm not becoming a cult leader? Because cults are really good at developing attachment. That's why it's so difficult for people to leave them. I was on the Converge Great Lakes Board of Overseers in in 2015. Converge Great Lakes is uh, uh, our our network of churches in Wisconsin and Upper Michigan, um, over 100 churches. And um, we got a letter from one of those churches, a staff member who was concerned that Their lead pastor was taking their church in some dangerous directions. And one concern was that the pastor was teaching about what some people might describe as attachment in some really weird ways. Uh, The lead pastor, I think he was 58 years old at the time, legally adopted their 32-year-old associate pastor, and they moved in together they they each had wives and would talk to the church about how and it was they were such an exemplary relationship because they would from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. be together all all the time and this lead pastor uh, Talked to the associate pastor about how he definitely had he had that that associate pastor had issues and problems, and it all stemmed from his uh, relationship with his parents, who were uh, Christian people, and yet this lead pastor convinced this associate pastor to cut off his relationship with his biological family. Uh, that was this like that was concerning. Um, Converge sent a team to do interviews with people at every level of this church, and we're talking about a large church, hundreds of people, um, to get a better idea of what was happening there. And the interviews revealed a pattern of spiritual abuse from the top leadership. Uh, And the abuse got uncovered. People had opportunities for counseling. The leaders were replaced. That Church just hosted a conference uh, in the last couple of days that that Jay and I were at, and I'm happy to say that they've experienced a total turnaround. Uh, Still, it's good for me uh, to check myself sometimes. How do I know that New Day is not a cult and I'm not a cult leader? Uh, So I did a little bit of research, and a successful cult leader won't readily admit when they're wrong, will threaten the removal of anyone who criticizes or disagrees. I, on the other hand, want you all to know that I am flawed. I am a mess. Um, what did what did Pastor Jenkins say? Uh, uh, a jacked up joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I admit to you. I'm committed to uh, getting. Uh, Better and better at receiving feedback, at knowing that a a healthy church speaks the truth in love and that I need to hear from people who have concerns about me. Um, A successful cult leader gets people to break their ties to family and friends outside of the group. I want us, on the other hand, to find ways to strengthen our relationships with family, friends, coworkers, so that we have a a clearer path to plant the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in every network in uh, in our county and beyond. I want to see us not... Uh, assume that we have some special knowledge. That's another thing a really a good cult leader would do is uh, to to uh, convince people that they have some special knowledge, something that they can't get from anyone else. I just want to point you to Scripture and to Jesus and to say, abide in Him. And I want to see churches around our county have disciples who are activated who are excited, who are sent with the Great Commission because we all need to work together, not just the people within these walls. We need to cross over denominational differences in order to accomplish the Great Commission. I am envisioning, believing, that God will raise 3,000 Obedient, multiplying disciples of Jesus in Marathon County by 2030. And it's not going to happen by power-hungry leaders controlling things. It's going to be a process of coming out from a lot of the controls that we maybe haven't questioned enough because they're just so ingrained in our culture. So yes, things do look a little different at New Day, that doesn't mean we're a cult. Now, we've joked for years about how we could reassure people in our community about that, and one rejected idea is a t-shirt, something like this. It's not an actual t-shirt, but just a design (laughs) that just clearly states not a cult and has our website on it. Now and now, it is kind of a joke to have the guy on there with the thumbs up, and the and the blurb that says "Join us," because um, now our staff members know that anytime anything has been produced in print at New Day that I have anything to say about, those words will not be on it. Join us. Uh, I just don't like how that feels, that kind of insider-outsider. If you say it in the right voice, it can b- sound really creepy. Uh, join us, you know? Like, that's, it, we don't want to be uh, in, in in us, in them. It's not about joining us. The command is that we go and make disciples, that we bring the gospel to where people are, that we introduce people to a Jesus who says, follow me. That's what we want to be about. So uh, now c- the cults are a, a serious thing. They leverage, they leverage the human need for attachment. And then they twist and manipulate and use people for the benefit of the leaders. We're striving to be biblically sound. We want to be connected and accountable to a broader movement. We're thankful and grateful that we're part of uh, a movement of churches, a family of churches and organizations. New Day is not a cult. All right, so I'm not planning to legally adopt any of you. I just want to point you to Jesus. Here's how John the apostle wrote to early gatherings like this, uh, like like we're experiencing here um, about loving healthy attachment. He said, "This is real love." In First John chapter four, starting at verse ten, "This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice." to take away our sins. That's the gospel, the good news that we want to share. With anyone who's humble enough to say, have mercy on me, a sinner, we have the opportunity to bring the good news. God loved us and sent his son, loved you, and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away your sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Imagine that. Imagine that for a moment. Imagine if Christians were known not primarily for how well they can argue (laughs) for who they can judge. Imagine if disciples of Jesus walking in obedience to him, walking in support and accountability to each other, if the full expression of God's love was what we were known for on earth as it is in heaven. If you've been paying attention to this series, you're not going to be shocked and surprised that that, uh, those words, the full expression of, or some translations say perfection, uh, that his love is perfected in us is the verb form of the Greek word teleos. It's about maturity. It's about the process that we all want to be in of becoming more and more like Christ. So yes, as we grow in our loving connection to God and to our fellow disciples, things are going to be different. Sorry, I'm just looking at the time, and I'm looking at my notes, and I'm going, oh, do I, I had time for the cult shirt, but do I have time for, do I have time to talk about my granddaughter? I'm going to take time. I don't know when the Packers are playing today, but um, uh, how am I supposed to resist talking about when, when? You know, I'm going to take this timer, and I just throw it away. They don't play till Monday. Um. But I, some of you have met my granddaughter. Oh, my goodness, she's so cute. And she walks around in all her cuteness. And then, inevitably, and not less and less, inevitably, she falls. And sometimes I think it's just the shock. Or sometimes she may actually get hurt. What happens, though, when she falls is she generally will look up with the oh, the saddest oh, like. Oh, the saddest, melt you little oh, face, and sometimes it's like big tears, and I'm looking over because you guys know what I'm. You got, you guys got little Isla. You know what I'm talking about. Boom, and then, oh, and what is that child looking for? It's looking for. I'm. Whoever. <laughs> whoever. And usually it's someone that she's made an attachment to. Usually it's mom, dad, grandma, grandpa looking for someone to come and say oh, good fall, good fall. You're okay. I've got you. Remember David? I will fear no evil because you are with me. That Pattern of falling down and then looking up into the face of someone with steadfast love teaches us to attach to the ones who love us the most. So we may get hurt, we may run into a problem, we may find ourselves in the presence of our enemies, we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we may have put ourselves in that situation. David knew he was like a sheep who would stray and that God was his shepherd, ready to say, even when you go astray, look to me. I will lead you back. I've got you. We just read John saying that when we love each other, God is in us and his love is perfected in us. That sounds like character building and connectedness. David had a best friend, Jonathan, and a band of mighty men. And Nathan the prophet who confronted David when David committed adultery and murder and tried to cover it up. And even after failing royally, David repented, submitted to God in a process of restoration, and David's character was built on his connectedness to God and to other people. What about you? What are your connections? How are you finding greater help and comfort and protection from the God who loves you, not just the phone that was free with your data plan? What are you trusting for comfort? When you fall down, when you feel anxious, when you feel depressed, what do you look to to pick you up and to hold you? Is it something created or is it the creator? What counterfeits do you need to turn away from in order to attach your hope and affection to him? What difference have loving and healthy connections to God and his church, other disciples, other people pursuing him. What difference has that made in your identity, your character? We're going to practice that rad pattern of reflection, application, and discussion right now. I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes for quiet reflection. What is God teaching you today? And what are you willing to do about it? Remember, it's not just about knowledge. Those who love me will do what I say. What is he saying to you today? And what are you willing to do about it? And after you've had time to reflect on that, write something down and we'll reconnect for discussion. So take this time to quietly listen for God's lead. For me this week, I am going to, uh, I'm going to remember the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Can we say that together once? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I'm going to let times of stress or times where I'm trying to figure out uh, how to get something done or uh, uh, feeling anxious. I'm going to let that change what I'm looking to or comfort. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. What about you? What are you willing to do in response to what God is teaching you today. Take some time right now to have a discussion about that. And Man, I haven't pressed on this in the past. I think this will be good, though, moving forward. is uh, Also, uh, do you remember if you had said something last week? Maybe it was around a table of the same group of people. How did that go? What is your uh, I did statement? Not just your I will statement. So let's take some time and connect to each other because we know that character is built on connectedness. If you're in the chat, share with us so that you can be connected to the community as well. And we will catch up with you guys next week. Thank you.